Welcome to Crime Historian, the podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, teacher by day, true crime nerd by night. This is the podcast where I guide you through stories about strange, obscure, and forgotten crimes. And as long as there are humans on the planet, I'll never run out of stories to tell you. It's been a while since we've recorded. A long while. I've had some personal changes and some big stuff happening, so I'd just like to thank you for tuning in again. I promise there will not be a gap this long next time. I got the idea for today's episode from Karen and Georgia on My Favorite Murder. On one of their minisodes a couple years ago, they told about a murderer who claimed sleepwalking as his defense. I don't know the details from this case specifically, but they kind of dismissed the notion in this specific case altogether. I thought it would be fun to research more and report back. I first heard of homicidal sleepwalking about 10 years ago. Once upon a time, some dude drove across town and murdered his mother-in-law, all the while claiming to have been asleep. At the time, the idea that someone could murder someone in their sleep was utterly fictitious and outlandish to me. That someone could claim he was asleep while driving and then end up at his destination alive and basically in one piece was laughable. So much more so when he claimed that the killing of his mother-in-law was something he did while he was asleep. So instead of telling you just one story today, I'm going to tell you a few stories about people that have committed bizarre actions and crimes and then successfully attempted to use the sleepwalking defense. And I may or may not have listened to Sleepwalker by the Wallflowers a few times in the making of this episode. First, we'll start with a guy I just told you about who murdered his mother-in-law. Here are the details. In 1987, 23-year-old Kenneth Parks was in serious gambling debt. As a result of his fondness for horse racing and his inability to pay that debt, he stole about $32,000 from his employer, an electric company. When the company learned what he did, he was fired in March of 1987. He was also arrested and legal proceedings were in the process. The company began pursuing legal action. He was under a lot of stress, obviously. He had a wife and baby daughter at home and was dealing with insomnia and anxiety. His marriage was also strained due to his recent arrest, unemployment, and gambling problem. Though he was obviously ashamed of this gambling addiction, in May of 1987, he made plans to confess to his in-laws about his gambling problem and begin seeking help. That never happened. He fell asleep watching Saturday Night Live and, without waking, drove 14 miles to his in-laws' house, used a key to get inside, walked up the stairs, bludgeoned his mother-in-law with a tire iron, and then used a kitchen knife to stab her in the chest, shoulder, and heart. He also assailed his father-in-law who attempted to stop the attacks. He then roamed the house according to teenage children who still lived at home. He also took the phone off the hook. On his sleep drive back home, he awoke around 4.45 a.m., confused, and immediately drove himself to a police station, wounded and bloodied, according to the Psychology Today article. He was also in distress and he told them, quote, I think I have just killed two people, end quote. While his father-in-law did survive the attack, his mother-in-law did not. Experts were perplexed. He was obviously responsible for the attack, but nothing added up in the way they were used to. Kenneth underwent sleep and psychology tests and was soon found to suffer from parasomnia. According to sleepeducation.org, parasomnia is a group of sleep disorders that involve unwanted events or experiences that occur while you are falling asleep, sleeping, or waking up. These can even include activities such as sleep eating, sleep sex, or, in extreme cases, sleep murder. What is very fascinating about this is that even though Kevin 
not Kevin. Who the hell is Kevin? What is very fascinating about this is that even though Kenneth had cut tendons in both of his hands during the attacks, he was not in pain. Reportedly, though Kenneth had not visited his in-laws since his arrest, he had had plans to fix his in-laws' furnace. He even had a key to get inside. The best theory experts could come up with was that Kenneth suddenly decided he should go fix the furnace right then, and once he arrived, he was startled by his in-laws' presence. I know, it sounds a bit implausible. Eventually, though, Kenneth was found not guilty. Not not guilty by reason of insanity, because it wasn't found that he had a disease of the mind, which is a legal term in the Canadian Criminal Code. He was just found not guilty. When questioned about his sleep habits, Kenneth's wife, Karen, had no memories of previous sleepwalking episodes, but she did report that he was a deep sleeper and would sometimes talk in his sleep. His mom also reported that she once found him as a teenager asleep and halfway out of a sixth floor window. He also had family members, including a grandfather, who sleepwalked. I recently read an article that, sh- that claimed that um, children of sleepwalkers were two to three percent more, nope, two to three times more likely to be sleepwalkers than the rest of the general population, which could explain his sleepwalking. After Kenneth was acquitted, he seems to have gone on and led a normal-ish life. Um, I even found an article from back in 2006 where it mentions that he has six kids and he was attempting to run for a school trustee position. Um, I'm assuming that's something like the school board here in the States. However, his past ultimately seems to have prevented him from being a viable candidate because he did not win. I am not sure what's happened to Kenneth um, since... 2006. I am not even sure if he stayed married to Karen. Um, I was unable to find out this information, but if you happen to know, send us or send me an email at crimehistorian at gmail.com or get on Facebook and um, update me. I would love to mention it. Our next story is a story across the pond in England. In fact, both of them are. Um, Our first story involves a woman who was described as a loving mother. Her name is Esther Griggs, and she was also described as impoverished, which is an interesting adjective, um, in the book of Strange and Curious Legal Oddities, which is a book that I think was published in like 2010. Esther Griggs was a resident in the West End of London in a town whose name I won't even attempt to pronounce. In 1859, according to police, when they arrived at her apartment building, She was heard screaming, Oh, my children, save my children. While police were attempting to make their way to her apartment, they heard the smashing of glass. When Esther finally answered the door, she was in her nightgown, and she began asking the police to save her children. The police, upon entering, found two young children in bed, and Esther cried and asked for her baby. She asked the police if anyone had caught her baby, Lizzie. She had thrown the baby through the window, made of glass. That was the sound they had heard. She later reported dreaming that one of her kids told her the building was on fire. So she threw out Lizzie in an attempt to save her. If the police hadn't shown up when they did, she possibly would have thrown out her other two children as well. Thankfully, baby Lizzie didn't die and Esther was not indicted. She was found by the jury to be suffering from night terrors and legally without mens rea or the intention to commit a crime. Our third and our last story is a British man. And in 2005, James Bilton, 
I was 22 at the time, was cleared of raping a woman three times when the jury accepted his sleepwalking defense. He spent the night out drinking with a friend and they both came back to his apartment. After his friend fell asleep on the sofa, he gently moved her to his bed, kissed her on the forehead, and then took the couch for himself. However, she later claimed she woke up to his hands on her and that he then raped her three times. She said his eyes looked unfocused during the attacks, and while she didn't accuse him of being on drugs, she said his eyes looked as if he was. She later confided the incident to a friend who contacted police on her behalf. A doctor consulted about the case claimed that 2-5% to of the adult population sleepwalk. Of those, about 4% are believed to engage in sex acts while sleepwalking. According to an article from The Telegraph, the court was informed that James had actually read an article about sleepwalking in the newspaper the day before the incident. Additionally, his mother attested to both he and his sisters being sleepwalkers. He was eventually found not guilty, though there were many who found it, quote, deeply disturbing, end quote, that this was so. Sleepwalking is an interesting phenomenon because there's still so much about the brain that we don't know, and what we don't know tends to haunt us. There are medical and scientific explanations for sleepwalking, and I highly recommend Googling these if you're interested. I think it's also interesting because if you're a sleepwalker yourself, you are definitely seeking to understand it and control it. Ultimately, it's scary because of the loss of control. I have sleepwalked twice in my life that I remember. The first time, I got up in the middle of the night, put in my contacts, got in the shower, and then I woke up in the shower. I was about 15 or 16. The second time, we had just moved into a new house. I got up one night, walked around my room, bumped into some stuff, unsuccessfully searched for the light switch. I never did find the light switch before I gave up and laid back down. I didn't wake up until the next morning. It is a myth that sleepwalkers do not remember anything. Thanks for tuning in today to Crime Historian, the podcast. Please visit us at crimehistorian.com reach out to us on Facebook, or send me an email at crimehistorian at gmail.com. I know this was a short episode, um, and in the future, I hope to make them a little bit longer, but since we're just jumping back into the swing of things, I hope you enjoyed this one. Until next time, which I promise will not be as long as the last.